0: Welcome back to Round Guy Radio, and it's been a while since we talked high school football, but we got the right guest on today. His name is Scott McCarty. He's the head coach of the Winfield Wolves, and he is—he uh, has an eight-man football podcast. Welcome to the program, Scott.
1: Hi, thanks. I appreciate you having me on.
0: Well, tell us about your, your podcast. Uh, it's Nationwide Eight-Man Football, right?
1: Absolutely, yeah. Um, so it's called the Be Great, uh, B-E-G-R-8 uh, eight-man football coaching podcast. Um, I started it back in January. Um, I'm a huge podcast guy. I really enjoy listening to them when I work out and, and those kind of things and, and riding cars. And and so, um, you know, I like listening to Coach and Coordinator, you know, the Joe Daniels football podcast, but they don't really relate to the eight-man game. And during the pandemic, um, I got hooked on one called the Eight-Man Academy, um, it was put on by a guy with the last name of Claiborne uh, down out of Oklahoma area, and um, he took a different job, and he kind of let that that podcast went to the wayside. Um, and so, you know, it's kind of a, a niche market. Um, you know, eight man football is it's not the largest market of football coaches, but um, it's probably one of the most compassionate um, and caring groups uh, of coaches. But um, so I kind of just started it back in January. Um, and my first guest, um, was a guy by the name of Derek Wharton. He, uh, he was actually the college football coach that recruited me, uh, to go play at Simpson. And now he's the head football coach at Martinsdale St. Mary's. And so I just thought it uh, appropriate, uh, for him to be my first guest as he, you know, kind of helped my football career. So, um, that was kind of a fun way. And since then, um, you know, I've, I've interviewed a lot of guys in Iowa, um, you know, from teams that played in the, in the championships to, you know, a team that I think one guy actually went like one and eight or Oh and nine. Um, you know, and we talked about that episode, we talked about the struggles, you know, and you know, how to he had to change an offense because of injuries and those kind of things and how to adapt. And, um, so I've talked to a lot of, a, a lot of coaches from Iowa. I've also talked to a handful from Nebraska, um, a few from Missouri, um, a guy from Idaho, um, uh, a couple out in California, and then this afternoon um, I've got a, an interview with a guy from South Carolina. So, um, you know, we're we're able to – eight-man game is a great uh, – it's a great game, like I said, with great coaches um, that are, you know, willing to help each other out, and, and I just want to help grow the game and and help those coaches because, like I said, you know, you can listen to coach and coordinator, and, you know, they got great great information on there, but it doesn't always relate to us as eight-man coaches so I wanted to make sure it was relatable and it's two of my favorite things I get to talk and then I get to talk football you know so um, anybody that's been around you know they they can tell you those are probably two of my best hobbies or two of the best qualities I just talk and and, and football so it's kind of where I got started Um, you know after a while I was able to uh, get hooked up with Team Builder Um, and so Team Builder is a a sponsor of it as well as Anywhere Apparel down in uh, Mount Pleasant um, so it's, it's pretty fun. Um, I've gotten to talk to some local coaches that I coach against and then some other guys that, you know, you hope you get a coach against, cause if you coach against them, you're usually going to be in the dome. Um, you know, so it's been a great opportunity. I really enjoy it. And, you know, you can tell when you do something you like, you know, and you get done and you, I get off the zoom call or whatever, I'm excited about it because those, those guys, you know, you talk to some guys that can just flat out coach, um, you know, and they energize you. Um, you know, after an interview, you know, and and I'm sure you're the same way. You talk to a guy and you have a great interview. It's just exciting. So, um, you know, I'm learning. It's it's helping me as a coach, um, you know. But so, yeah, I mean, that's kind of the story of the, the podcast. You find it on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, all the places you can find places to listen to podcasts.
0: Well, recently, uh, just last week, I was contacted by Anchor FM, which is the kind of platform that I use to uh, edit my program for me and uh they were they were coming up with some video options that i could that i could come up with and i was thinking what if i could broadcast some of these games live you know high school football games and i don't know if there would be anything preventing me from doing that you know uh, licensing or or something but i could put up put them up on spotify you know broadcast live send a guy like scotty melvin out Mm -hmm. there to to cover the cover the game and uh some place it just doesn't have coverage there's so many so many teams you know even Fort Madison sometimes don't even have radio cover you know uh, yeah. for a lot of these games or it could be for golf events or it could be for for concerts or stuff but I really think that's an aspect of uh, this podcast and which like you say is this is what everything's coming to isn't it
1: yeah absolutely I think this is the medium that um, a lot of people whether it's it's sports or news in general or their entertainment. Um, You know, people, this is how they're going to consume media, um, you know, and a lot of news and things like that. Whether you talk about like the Daily Wire, or, you know, whatever, whichever side of the aisle you sit on, there's a podcast to listen to, you know, and as far as entertainment value, you know, the, a lot of people listen to like Murder Mysteries, you know, and you got the Joe Rogans and the Jocko Wilnick podcasts and Art of Manliness, you know, you've got all types of things on there as podcasts to go to. So, you know, football is just, I mean, that's just my little niche, but, you know, I think I probably follow six or seven different podcasts, you know, in all different genres. And, and podcasting, I think definitely, like you said, that's the, that's the media or medium, excuse me, that people are going to go to for entertainment, I think.
0: Well, I think more people listen to podcasts and newspapers, radio and television combined right now.
1: I would agree with that statement. I, I mean, newspapers and, and, you know, we, as a high school athlete, there was nothing better than you know, seeing your picture and reading your name in the newspaper, but, you know, those have all been spread so thin, you know, you look at what's happened with the Hawkeye in the last few years, um, you know, that that's kind of getting to be a a lost art there, you know, and I think ideas like this and the use of Twitter, Instagram, you know, whatever other social media, you know, that's becoming the new newspaper for our athletes, you know, as coaches, we got to promote our program and that's one way to do it. You know, you create the cool graphic, um, You know, the GIF, the video, and you put it on Twitter or, like I said, whatever you have, you know, Facebook kind of depends on who you're looking for. Right. You're going for mom and dad. You probably go to Facebook. You want to go to other coaches. You go to Twitter, you know, get to the kids, you get to Instagram or TikTok, you know, so you've got to be across all platforms. But that's definitely I think you could get your message out better there than you would, like you said, in newspaper or magazine for sure.
0: We're like, say we do a once-a-week show about football and uh, basketball, and we try to follow it all the way through the playoffs. We try to get uh, uh, the local area coaches. and Like, say you're doing one division, we're doing all the – but uh, uh, I've heard, you know, Scotty Melvin will say something about some mid-Prairie high school football or basketball player or something, you know, and then he'll see that kid later, and that kid will just be, like, elated because, you know, somebody recognized his talent or, you know – uh so that that's that's pretty rewarding you know we've been uh so what we've been doing with our podcast you know uh it's kind of evolved a little bit uh but uh, right now we're considering ourselves a news a, a news uh radio show It's covering all the news of iowa everything that's going on the, the high school sports the uh the museums the the news i'm going to try to inter- interview people that are running for office you know we, we try to be a uh, uh a friendly interview you know Uh, we just ask questions and let the guys uh you know let them answer and then uh when they stop talking we ask them another question but there's you know but it's really it it's catching on and uh we've got like almost four thousand listeners now and uh we're growing and uh i think you got a good thing going with your eight-man football i i think that's growing uh i i got to see my first eight-man football game first time i followed it uh, and I know Scott Melvin is absolutely in love with eight man football. Uh, let me ask you something about coverage on a uh, kickoffs and stuff. Okay. Uh, is it, is it more difficult with eight man? I know you, the, the field's a little shorter, but it just seems like you got two less guys to, to, uh, corral this, uh, return man.
1: Yeah. Uh, I mean, so special teams is kind of a, a whole different beast, um, You know, when you talk about kickoff, punt return, and those kind of things, um, you know. So, yeah, the field is smaller. We play on an 80 by 40 as opposed to 100 by 53. Um, And so a lot of times we run into a lot of kickers that uh, kick majority of touchbacks, right? So if you can't kick a touchback, most of the time the team is going to either squib it or onside it. So I would say the percentage of onside kicks is much higher in eight man than it is in uh, 11 man. I right. know I haven't watched a ton of 11 man, right. My 11 man experience, you know, in the last five years has just been watching like the Hawkeyes on Saturday and the NFL and things, Um, you know, so um, I don't know but the high school game at 11 man, if it's coming to more um, on sides or not, right. There was that Kevin Kelly, the guy that coached down at Methodist who never punts and always on sides. Right. And so that's kind of um, an eight man philosophy. You know, the field is, you know, you don't really flip the field, you know, because if you punt it from your own 10, even if you get a 30 yard punt, you know, they're at midfield, they're at the 40 yard line. So that's really not flipping the field. Um, You know, so a lot of teams go for it, but as far as, you know, your punt and your kick, you know, so we take the philosophy of, you know, and and I think most teams do this, right. They put their best athlete back there as the kickoff return and they put their best athlete as the punt return. Well, why in tarnation would you want to actually punt that guy, the ball, right? He's the best athlete on their team. So you have to find a way, um, you know, to keep it away from him. Well, you know, high school kids aren't skilled necessarily in punting it out of bounds, you know, or kicking it if they can't kick it through the end zone, right? You know, placing it in places. So you're gonna be in trouble there, right? So it's best to go for it, you know, depending on where you are, most likely. Um, you know, or squib kick it and make sure somebody else try and, and catch it, you know. So um as far as like the le- less guys, you know, the, the smaller field helps. Um You know, but the biggest uh, place that you know you're handcuffed in the eight man game is on defense, right? So there's only if you play a safety, you'll probably be one short in the box, Um, and so you have to have a safety that can be very aggressive, um, you know, but still play the pass game and in and things. So there's a lot that goes into it in defense. Um, I think that in eight man, it puts a premium on uh, tackling, especially tackling in space. Excuse me, um, you know I think in eleven man, there's always uh, somebody that's pursuing, and an eight man, uh, you're out on an island more times than not. Even if you're a linebacker and you see a guy on a sweep, um, you have to realize that if you miss, it's probably ball game, right? That's why you see those scores are sixties, to forties, you know an eight man game. Excuse me. So that's just one of those things that you know. As far as special teams go, I don't think it's a, a true third of the game like it is an eleven man. And then I think there's such a, a premium on open field tackling in the eight-man game, more so than the 11-man game, uh, just because you, if one guy misses, he's gone. You know, in 11-man, in you're usually got alley players and more force players and things like that, um, you know, where very few big runs are are broke, and that's why you don't see the 60 to 50 in 11-man as you do like eight-man.
0: Well, uh, I was t- – um... I will ask you about a game that everyone said was very unusual. It was New London and Waco, and it was a seven to nothing. Mm-hmm. Um, and they said shutouts are almost unheard of in eight-man yep. football. Is that true?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, and, and I watched that game on film, and um, that was about a physical of a game. I mean, that was, um, you know, for some of the older listeners, you know, that was Ali Foreman right there. You know, they were just knocking, knocking the snot out of each other. You know, who's going to be the first one to flinch? Um, you know, it was it was a fun game uh, as a as a spectator. As coach, I don't know how how Coach Edeker and Coach McSorley felt, but as a spectator, you know that was just a a heavyweight boxing match. You know, and like you said, shutouts shutouts are really hard. Um, and so when you see a team that um you know has a shutout or they're keeping guys under twenty five, you know, eighteen points, that's a pretty good defense there. You know, because you're getting probably eight to ten um, you know, depending on how the game goes, you know, probably about eight possessions. And so they're only scoring on two to three of those. That's a pretty good defense in eight man. Um, you know, I, I interviewed a guy from, uh, California and they only averaged giving up five points a game in, in 12 games and they had five shutouts. Um, you know, in his defense, that's a bunch of dudes right there. Those guys can flat out play. So yeah, I think that Waco new London game ended up like 14, seven or something like that. And, that was a, a, a heck of a game. Um, you know, our, our goal on defense is always to keep them under 33. You can keep them under 33 and, and that you should be in a decent spot on offense or to, to win a game.
0: Okay. Let me talk about the adjustments that it takes for a coach coming from 11 man to eight man. Now I coached I talked to coach Edeker, who was a very successful 11 man football coach, but he's found a few years into the eight man that, the plays that were successful in 11-man that he'd been running weren't successful in the 8-man and that he had to make some adjustments. Talk about that learning curve or those those kind of 11-man uh, to 8-man adjustments that a coach has to make. Yeah,
1: yeah, absolutely. So the biggest thing you have to remember in the 8-man run game is like if you hand it off, like, say you get in the I formation and you hand it off, well, you're down, right? You got your ball carrier, your quarterback is wasted. So you're basically – you're blocking six on, on eight. Um, And so you got to find either two guys you don't want to block or, you know, don't need to block. Um, And so you see a lot of times the leading rusher for eight man, a lot of times is the quarterback because you get all seven other guys blocking for that guy that just catches the ball. Right. Or they do something where the quarterback will end up blocking if he hands it off um, to try and get the numbers back. Um, You know, so, that's one of the big adjustments The other um, on offense. Right? The other thing, you know, you're down three guys. Um, so you can only have three guys in the backfield. You have to have five on the line of scrimmage. Um, you know, so you can't run like wishbone. You can't run the flex bone. You can run eye formation, right? But if you run a balance set for like an 11-man, you'd only go guard tackle, right? We call them guard and tight end. Um, you know, so you're, you're down a gap. Um, you know, the same ideas you can still run power and sweep in those things. Um, you're just a gap short. So, you know, offensively, we've kind of run the gamut trying to figure out something that works with our personnel. Um, you know, we've done the spread, um, you know, and we've done some single wing things, you know, we're going to try some different things this year. Um, you know, we have a really nice running back, so we got to be able to figure out how to get him the ball, you know, um, in different ways. So, um, you know, offensively, like you said, it, it is an adjustment. And a lot of times, um, you know, when coaches go from 11 man to eight man, it's say, Well, what offense do I run. Well, you run what offense, you know, um, and then you just try and make adjustments from there. Right. So if you're like a spread guy, you know, you always run a two by two with the running back. You know, you take out your two linemen and maybe one receiver. Right. So you have a one by two set with the running back, or maybe you take out the running back and two linemen. So now you're still in the two by two. Um, You know, and then you run what you're comfortable with and what your kids can do, you know. So um, that's that's kind of how you make the adjustments on on offense is you you have to take what you're good at, you know. And that's what, um, you know, Coach Edeker, they were a really nice I formation team. You know, they were a power or like a strong and and quick um, offensive line, right, where they'd switch their guards. And they kind of do some of that stuff still, um, you know, what they did in the, the 11 man game. Um, but but Coach Edeker's he's done a really nice job of adopting or adapting, excuse me, um, what they did in the eleven man game to the eight man game.
0: Um, well, so he's
1: kept their identity. Yeah, go ahead. Sorry.
0: I want to ask you about kickers. It seems like to me,
1: uh,
0: uh, having a really good kicker would be a tremendous advantage in eight man
1: football. It is um, for the kickoffs, right? Because everything's a touchback. You don't have to teach kickoff. Um, you know, that's one last thing you have to worry about as a coach. What what a lot of people kicking field goals is really hard in eight man because the edge is so short. Um and so you you're a long snapper, a lot of guys, so um most of the time in eleven man, right, your snapper's seven yards behind the holder. Um and so a lot of what what teams have done, if you were to do that in eight man, you would get everything blocked. Um, and so a lot of times you move your, your snapper back or excuse me, your holder back to 10, and that gives you a little bit better angle, um, without, cause you, you know, you're only two guys on each side of the, the, the snapper, and then you have one wing. So if you put your one wing on one side, well, the defense can overload the other side and bring it from that direction. Um, and so if you move them back, you've got a better chance. Well, now you've, you know, you've made that snap harder. Um, you know, and the kick is, you know, three yards further. So, um, I would say that, you know, a lot of teams don't, I would say it's probably 50, 50, to be honest with you with teams that kick versus going for two. Um, we've been lucky. We've been right around the 50 to 60% in the two point conversion, uh, area. And so, you know, I'll, I'll take 50% going for two, right. That's, a, that's as good as nobody goes a hundred percent on extra points. Um, you know, so you just got to do the math and see what's best for your team.
0: So speaking of your team, uh could you uh spend the rest of this episode talking about what we're going to see in southeast Iowa football eight man uh, schools, you know, this handicap your team and the and the other local teams.
1: Yeah, um well I'll start with um so our 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 district champion last year was Waco. Um they had some really nice players. They had a really good offensive defensive line. Um talking is to- coaches that played them in the playoffs and stuff, you know, I, they asked me, what are they? I said, well, they're really physical. And they said, okay, yeah, I can see that on film. And I think they underestimated actually how physical they were. Now they graduate most of their offensive and defensive line. Uh, they bring back their all state um, running back and Simeon Reichenbach. And he's a really nice player. Um, you know, he's kind of Mr. Do everything. He ended up playing quarterback for him when their quarterback went down uh, in the quarterfinal game versus Audubon. They do bring back their quarterback in, in the Oswald kit. Um, you know so i think um until you beat them right they they're the team to beat uh you know as as far as our district goes um also we have you know lone tree in the area um, lone trees in our district they'll have a new coaching staff um, they lost their production their quarterback running back and receiver all graduated as did their two two of their offensive linemen so they'll kind of be a work in progress i think um, and whoever steps in you know they always have kids that'll compete their tails off so that coach will have that going for him. Uh, we have, uh, new London. They've been solid as well. Um, the last few years, they've had the the Porter kid who's a really nice basketball player. He's just a really good athlete. Um, and he gets the ball in his hand, you know, and then it's showtime. Uh, they lose one of the best linemen in the district, uh, in Carter Allen. He was a, he's a really good ball player. Um, you know, and they bring back some, some speed in their skill positions and things like that. So, um, they'll be pretty good. Um, You know, they they've been solid in in years past and I don't see them changing, um, you know, unless, you know, something weird happens down there. And then um, we we also have we have a couple nice players. Uh, We have Cam Buffington, who will be a junior. Um, He's already committed to the University of Iowa. Um, And we have another kid in the same grade, Abram Edwards. You know, both of them are really good basketball players here at Winfield Mount Union. And Abram's starting to get some interest. Um, Iowa State came and watched him at the track meet the other day, and he just got invited to North Dakota State's camp. So we got to find a way to get those two guys the ball and be able to block it up front. Um, you know, and, and we, we were close last year. Um, you know, we just we – got to be able to finish and, and you know, change – get around that – get over the hump ourselves there. So otherwise in our district, we also have English Valley um, – or Valleys, excuse me, and they, uh, they graduated a lot. They had Bo Flander, who's an excellent – uh, running back, I think he's going to Grandview to play. I use it, you know. I think he's sitting top five or six in the state in the one hundred. He won it last year. Um, Iowa Valley, they bring back their best offensive player, um, and then Tri County, who didn't play last year, uh, but they're going to try and give it a go this year, as well as HLB. Um And they got a kid right now who's sitting number one in the district for four hundred hurdles, who will graduate, so they've got to try and replace him in the York kids. So. Our, the thing about our district um, down here is we have a bunch of really good coaches um, and teams. That it, there's not a single week where you go, "Oh, this is an easy one, right? We'll be able to pull our dudes at halftime and and get out of there." Um, you know, you have to bring it absolutely every single week. Um, there was a lot, like I said, a lot of good coaches. They were good eleven man coaches, and they're really good eight man coaches. Um, you know, so everybody's got their work cut out for them. But there's a lot of there's going to be a lot of talent, I believe, in in our league this year.
0: Yeah, we were we marvel at the amount of talent of those schools, and a lot of those schools you mentioned, Iowa Valley and Lone Tree, are always solid. You know what I mean? They're just really solid teams, uh, and you know all the talent that's there. And now Scott Melvin thought you guys had a tremendous amount of talent, but you were you you lacked a little depth, uh, and the the basketball team had just a little depth problem. Do you, yeah, do you feel I mean, like your depth is a little better? Football.
1: Yeah, that's going to carry through to football as well. Um, you know, we've got an extremely talented group of kids, but we just don't have a ton of them. Um, you know, so obviously injuries are going to play a part, you know, we got to do a good job of coaching to make sure that we don't lose anybody Monday through Thursday, you know, and, and Fridays, you know, a lot of times you can't help what happens on a Friday, but we've got to do a good job there. And, and that's going to start being the trend. Now we have a couple teams. Waco has really nice numbers, um, you know, and, and new London usually has pretty good numbers. Iowa Valley, you know, they've got great numbers, and because both Iowa Valley and New London are on that cusp of uh, playing eleven man and eight man with the cutoff, so um, you know we'll see what happens with them in, in the redistricting. But um, you know, I think that's that's kind of the case for a lot of eight man teams, right? I mean, we don't have a lot of kids, so you don't get a lot of kids out, um, you know, and getting kids to go out for sports these days, it's that's a whole another conversation we could have, but. Um, you know, we like you said, we've got some talent. We just don't have a ton of depth, and we saw it in basketball, and and we'll see it again this year in football.
0: So, uh, Scotty Melvin says that uh, the Waco Winfield uh, battles that he doesn't seem to ever miss, whether it's uh, football or basketball or whatever, he says those are the those games have so much energy and and such big crowds. But he also says that you guys have the most entertaining uh, announcer. Uh, Could you talk a little bit about him
1: Uh, at our home game?
0: Yeah. Uh, Yep. It's
1: local businessman, businessman, Jason Hagee of Hagee insurance. Um, You know, he does a nice job of keeping the, uh, the mood light. Does he, sometimes he's probably says a little bit more than he should as a, as a PA guy, but you know, he does a nice job of playing music for us. I'm I'm, I love that he he's not monotone um, you know, and that he does a really good job. You know, he's, He's not calling tackles, you know, by guys that are standing on the sidelines and things like that. You know, he does a really nice job there. Um, but, you know, yeah, the the Waco Winfield. Um, well, so I'm not from here. I'm originally from northwest Iowa. And so when I moved down, I was told it was a big rivalry. Well, for the first. Um, so that would have been in 2006 and, and back in like what was it, 2008 or nine. They made it to the semifinals. Waco did. They're extremely talented and they just beat the beat the tar out of us. Um, you know, and so it wasn't much of a rivalry and, and people always, to, you know, give me and Chad a hard time about it. And I always say, well, you gotta, you gotta win something to be a rivalry. And, and Chad was like, you know, it is, and he's like, we've gotten, it, you've gotten it back there. And I, I kind of, you know, pooh pooed it a little bit. And then he sent me a message and we're three and three in the last six years, you know, so hopefully we're bringing it back to what it was, you know, before I came here back in the eighties and nineties, um, you know, but. I, I I don't think that it's uh it's as a social rivalry like it was, and, and by that i mean i I don't think the people hate each other. I know I don't hate coaches no. but we get along pretty well, well.
0: yeah um, how, I'll say one thing, all these coaches in southeast Iowa support each other uh it's uh almost scary uh you would think you would think there'd be some competition, and there is until the whistle blows at the end of the game It's right back to. Let's help each other out.
1: Uh. Absolutely. I mean, we res- everybody respects each other so much around here because, um, you know, we, we we help each other. You know, you got a question and it might not be an X and O question. It might be, a, you know, I got a kid that is doing this. You know, what, what do you what's your experience with that? And they'll share that with you, you know, so um, it's just like the kids in the age of, of social media and cell phones and stuff. It's easier to build a connection than with a guy that you only see for three hours a night once a year. Um, you know and if, if you win or lose you see them and that's your only opinion of that guy so you know things are changing I think for the positive in, in in that aspect of coaching
0: well last year there was hardly a team that kept my listeners more excited or riveted than your team was and they put up a lot of big points as Cam Bovington really put up some pretty gaudy numbers at times uh we just have a couple minutes left talk to me about the his receivers and uh Is he going to have the speed and the talent to uh, put those big points up again?
1: Yeah. uh, You know, we, we, uh, I think we're improved. He's improved and I think everybody else has improved and we're going to do some things that's going to make the game a lot easier for him. Um, You know, so we're going to make the thinking players are slow players and we're going to try and make him think less so he can play fast. You know, he's gotten bigger. He's probably, I don't know, 20, 25 pounds bigger than he was last year. Um, Just as fast, if not faster. Uh, You know, so, and and Abram Edwards has probably put on about 30 pounds since last uh, season as well. So, you know, those guys are going to be a a hassle for a lot of teams, hopefully. And hopefully we can figure out how to get them to play fast and end up in the end zone more times than not this year.
0: Well, it was was an outstanding year last year. Uh, So let's spend the last minute talking about your podcast, everybody, what it's called, and how they can access it. And how they can follow it on social media.
1: Yeah, so um, we're on Twitter at uh, be great FCP. Uh, that's GR eight. Uh, you can also find it on Spotify under the same thing. Be great. Uh, eight man football coaches podcast. Uh, it's also on stitcher or Apple podcasts or anything like that. So, um, I appreciate you having me on, uh, giving me the opportunity to talk Winfield, my union football as well as the podcast. And, and I look forward to listening to uh, your next episode. So thank you very much.
0: Well, we hope to have you back on. This has been, Round Guy Radio with news you can use that don't give you the blues, and thanks for listening.